want to uh, continue this morning in our study of, uh, uh, of the doctor's uh, gospel, uh, Dr. Luke, the physician, the beloved physician, and uh, we're turning the chapter and going from chapter 8, which we spend a good deal of time uh, in, as, uh, as under the Spirit of God's direction, Dr. Luke uh, presented uh, and wants us to know that this, uh, this Lord Jesus is the Lord in at least four realms. You remember that? Some of you uh, will remember. He's, uh, he's Lord over uh, creation. Uh, there in chapter 8, he uh, calmed the sea and the power of God to do that. What an amazing thing that would have been, don't you think? You get out on the Susquehanna and it's a little tipsy. Oh, I'm getting sick here. How about that on the Sea of Galilee where it's really, and, and fishermen, men of the sea, sea salty men, there weren't like little wimpies out there at P.E. class, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure. No, they knew they were going down, and the Lord rebukes the weather. Luke wants us to know that. That's the Lord of glory. That's the Lord. And then, and then in the Gerasians, remember that? He delivered the demoniac, and the Lord has the power over demons. Wow. Fallen angels, that's what they are. Some of the fallen angels uh, and cohabited are uh, uh, inhabited or indwelt uh, uh, people, unbelievers, and Jesus delivered, uh, cast uh, the demons out, legion, into the, uh, into the swine. Remember that? And they rushed in. And Luke wants us to know that. And then, and then finally he closes chapter 8 and says, I want you to know also that the Lord Jesus has the power over disease and over death. Rather amazing as he raises uh, Jairus' daughter. She is not dead, she's sleeping. What an amazing thing. The Lord Jesus could have gone in any hospital anywhere in the world at that point. And with the ease, did you notice the ease in which he raised those that were sick and those that were dead? He took them by the hand. Didn't do a little tap dance around and say a little secret word or incense. No candles. Some of you like candles, I know that. No candles, no incantation, no none of that. But when the Lord of glory is there and he reaches out his hand, yeah, a little girl comes back to life. He summoned her soul from the realm of the dead. Now that poor little thing had to die again someday. She did. But Luke wants us to know who this Jesus is, as he writes to Theophilus. Remember that in chapter 1. When we come to chapter 9 now, it changes a little bit, because now at this point, Jesus is going to zero in particularly on the training of the 12. The 12 disciples, his students, the learners, uh, they would become his apostles. They would become foundational to the church. We still mine from the things that, uh, that God gave us through them, that the Lord Jesus gave us when we study the Scriptures. Uh, it's the Lord through them to us. And uh, Luke wants us to know that. And because when you get to chapter 9 and finally verse 51, Jesus then at that point in Luke's writing sets his face going towards Jerusalem. He is now making this long journey that will culminate in the cross. Uh, but at this point, he's with the 12. And so today I've called it the School of Jesus, uh, or the Academy of Jesus, if you will. School's out for summer. Don't you love summer? Isn't it great? I, I never went to summer school except once when I was in graduate school. I took a theology class, and I, I, can I tell you, don't tell the professor, I loathed it, really. 
I did. Something not right about it. It's not American to sit in a classroom when it's sunny and 90 degrees out and everyone's going to the memorial pool or going somewhere and you're in there, you know? Now, some of you did remedial. You look like you had to do a lot of remedial. Some of you did, like, math again. That was so much fun. Let's do it in the summer, right? <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you, if you did that. But, but uh, school is in session here, and we see that in our chapters. We look at chapter 9, and let's, let's, let me just read verses 1 uh, to verse uh, 9 uh, as we see him really, the Lord really zeroing in now on the training of the twelve. And he, that's Jesus, called the twelve together, and he gave them, notice two things, power and authority over the demons and to cure diseases. And he, that's Jesus, sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. That's an overcoat. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whatever uh, and uh, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they, that is the disciples, departed, and they went through all the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. That is, all that was going on with the disciples throughout the land there in Galilee. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John, that's John the Baptist, that John had been raised from the dead. Uh, by some, some had said that Elijah had appeared. And by others, others said that one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John, I beheaded. But who is this? This one, about whom I hear such things. And he sought to see Jesus. And look at just verse 10. And on their return, now they're coming back, the 12, uh, the apostles uh, told him all that they had done. Well, this is the school of Jesus. You know, it is still true that the best way, the best way to learn is uh, by doing, is it not? Still the best way, particularly if you, if you have imitation, if you have a teacher or coach uh, that will show you, and then uh, you sort of imitate. I put my hands here, I do this here, I take this, I do that, and uh, it doesn't matter what line of work you're in. I mean, imitation is such a strong uh, teaching device, some in pedagogy and educational realms think it's about the only way to learn. And I can think of all kinds of stories of things that I learned, but uh, I, I'll tell you this, the eye is a much better learner than the ear. How many of you can hear something and like, hey, got it, and you go and do it? Well, some of you can, and, you have a, and we all learn in little different ways. Some of you have that ability to be able to do that. I do not have that. I hear it and I go like, give me that again? Give me that again? You know What? You know, like what? But if you show me or I visually see it, I'm so much better there. I can, I, I'll, then I'll imitate it. You know, how do I do that? 
I remember when I was in college, uh, I, my senior year, we were looking to get married at, right after college, and that year I was working second shift, taking 19 hours of classwork, I was losing my mind, and then I was working a full second shift down in the factory in, uh, in Scranton, a textile mill. It was a recoiling mill with, uh, they used to do silk and, and all that, but they, it was all polyesters and all that kind of thing. Now. And... Uh, and I worked a rewinder. I had, about, I had about 24 rewinders that would take off the big spool and put it on a little cones, cone, and they'd sell that. And I remember when I went in, and the, and the supervisor said, well, you're going to work in this department. And I looked around. They were all women there. They were all women. And uh, they said, here's a pair of scissors. I have kind of big mitts. Kind of broad. They were good for wrestling. You could grab on, latch on. But they said, oh, yeah, you put the scissors here, and they'll show you what to do, right? So the lady, she's an older lady, and she's over now. This is what you do with the thread. She goes like, oh. I looked at it and said, what was that? She's going in and out and going, you know, like you think of a sewing machine. You know, you kind of do this. Think of all, there's like this, this. Now, when the thread runs out, this is what you do. You take this and go, oh. I, th- I said, I better go down and quit. I'll never, I'll never, I can't even see her hands moving. You know, and she's just uh, had done it, you know, for years and years and years. And she, they just all laughed at me, and I go like, I can see why ladies are in this department. What am I doing here? You know, like, and they, they, I, I finally got it down, and I could do it. And they always made fun of me. Their production was always much better than mine, and they kind of, I was kind of the humor of the department. But I survived that, and it gave me an income as Faith and I were building towards trying to. You get get a few pieces of furniture and look towards our life together. After uh, wow, but this if you would, if you were to explain that just audibly, forget it. How about driving a car, right? If you had to, if you had to read the manual, right? On this is how you drive a car, you know, and give the instruction. I'll be honest, most of you don't even read the instructions when you get those, those, those boxes home with a thousand pieces, right? John, do you read the instructions? Yes. <laughs> you always read the instruction? Thank you, John. You're helping me. How many of you read the instructions? I read them if I have a problem. Do you read them? Like, what is this? Like, I'm like, what? You know, like, but I go like, oh, I can forget. Where's the picture? I'm looking for the picture on the box, right? Now, how many of you do that? That's right. There you go. That's, I like that. And if you have a problem, you go like, Where, where's, that, where, where's that booklet? You know, and it's a booklet. And it's in five languages. I'm trying to flip through and find English. You know, I don't know where they made the thing. Well, I mean, it's... It, 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 it's true. This this whole idea that there comes a point where you stop with the instruction and you got to dive in. And if you have someone showing you visually or through imitation, that's how you learn. Well, that's what the disciples have been doing with the Lord. He has been teaching them. I mean, that is that's it. I have on your sheet here. To, it's just I had fun. You know, there's a point if you're going to cook. Faith's a great cook. David Manny had a little baby shower yesterday. It was so much fun. Faith has been baking and freezing the stuff and getting it ready and all that. If you had made some new breakfast stuff yesterday, you'd never even made it before, you know. And and I don't know how she does all that. I couldn't. No, I don't. I don't. Some of you are are good at that. I'm, I'm not. Cause she's so good at it. I don't even try. 
It's sort of like that. Is that an excuse? Could be. But it, uh, anyway, there comes a point in cooking where you stop reading the cookbooks and you got to go into the kitchen. Does that make sense? You go like, okay, i got to break an egg, you know, sort of a thing. Some of you played sports, right? And I did that for years. There comes a point where you got to leave the locker room, you know, football, the X's and the O's, right, JT? You got them on the board. You go here. This is the left tackle. We're going to pull the, you know, this, I, you know, like, you got all this, the chalk talk. There comes a point where you got to put the pads on, right? And you go out into the field, and you got to start hitting some people to learn how to tackle and block and run, right? It's academic. There's a point where you got to immerse yourself in the experience of the doing of it. Right? That makes sense. We all understand that. And that's exactly... The, through this learning comes by doing is what we're going to see as going on in the life of the Lord Jesus uh, here today. Jesus has been training the twelve for some time. They've watched him. They had the privilege of having a front row seat. Wouldn't that have been something? Front row seat. Eat with him. I mean, for they were with him about three years. They they saw him pray. They saw him get alone and pray. They saw him interact with the people. They heard him preach. And then all the follow-up. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Okay, the crowds leave, and that, Lord, you know, I heard you say this about that. Can I ask, can I ask you a couple follow-up questions? Wouldn't that have been great? You know, you said you're supposed to, I'm supposed to love my enemy. I can't stand, I feel like punching them out. How do we do that? You know, like all the follow-up, you, you, you know, on this kind of thing. And uh, the Lord taught so much on money and stewardship. Lord, can I ask you about that? Uh, or, you know, all these, you know, salvation. Tell me more about this. Righteousness that is ours that comes by faith. I don't, I don't get that. I thought we were, you know, the law, how's the law fit in on that? And what's the spiritual meaning of the law? Imagine that, that group. And a disciple in that day, a mathetes, a disciple, was a learner. That's what the word means, a learner. And typically, the teacher would lead them, and they would go kind of around, and they would follow. The students would follow the teacher. And that's the word disciple. And that's what they were. They were learners in the school of Jesus by Jesus' appointment. You know, some of you have applied to different schools, and they said, uh, no, we really don't want your kind here. Some of you got in some school, and you're like, I don't know how I got in here. I had that experience once. And, uh, and I sat there and went, what am I doing here? I don't <laughs> the Lord actually prayed all night, and by God's appointment, picked the, the 12 that were to be a part of his school. And, uh, and, and they were learning. They were learning and learning. But there came a time where they had to go into the kitchen, roll up the sleeves, and they had to dirty their hands. And, uh, and that's what the Lord's whole purpose was. They had watched him teach. They had watched him uh, preaching the gospel, healing all sorts of diseases. The train, yet their training in, the, in Jesus' school was not completed. They needed an internship. That's what we call that today, don't we? Internship. It's a great, great idea. I still think, this is extra, the cooperative learning, some of you guys in engineering, is still the best thing to do, way to learn uh, engineering. I mean, it comes a point where you learn. And if you can go then six months, Drexel University used to have it, where you go six months and you're, you're in the classroom six months, you're in the business, you're back and forth. It's a five-year bachelor. But then what the companies do is they, they, they if you're half good, they, they hire you right away uh, because you've done their internship. They know you, you know them, and you're on-the-job training. 
you can't beat it. You cannot beat that, that apprenticeship, internship. And that's what's going on here in the life of these disciples, exactly. Uh, they, the Lord is going to provide practical experience in the ministry of the Word and in mercy. And today that would begin for them. Well, we, uh, we like the disciples, and you see that as a proposition on a sheet, are given the twofold mission of heralding, that's speaking for Jesus, and healing. I don't know if you ever thought about that. We're going we're to talk about what that means for us today, healing for Jesus. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you too uh, are to lovingly care for people and to tell them about the Lord Jesus. I like the old writer that put, you know, that there are really five Gospels. The Lord gave five Gospels. Do you know what they are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. And then he went on to say, and most people don't read the first four. But they'll read you. If you know Christ, they'll read you. And they'll see the love of God in you through your caring, concern, and love for them. And you know what? That's incredible soil for loving people and pointing them to Christ. And that's what's going to happen. They're going to go out, and they're going to love people, care for people like Jesus did, uh, and with his authority, his power, and all the while weaving the message of the, the gospel, the love of God in Christ uh, to those that they were touching, They're those lives that they were touching. And we do the same thing 20 centuries later. That's the purpose of the church. Well, two observations. First, Jesus sent his the students out for practical ministry experience. This was a specific mission. This is not the mission, okay, this is what we're all to do. There are those t- uh, today that will conduct, uh, uh, I, I have, uh, I'm going to go out and clear out hundreds and thousands of people with uh, healing ministries based upon this text. Be careful in that. God heals. What a wonderful testimony Diane gave us today. God heals. The effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women avails much. And God is able to do that. Uh, don't base that on this text this is a specific mission. We're thankful for the mission that went into Pakistan and took care of uh, public enemy number one with the, uh, with the SEAL team. That was a specific mission. In fact, I read they didn't even know what that mission was until they were just about ready to land. I don't know if that, how true that was, but uh, it was that top secret. This was a specific mission. I say that because a little bit later in the, cha- in the book of Luke, Jesus is going to send them out. They're going to be not to the area of Galilee, but he's going to tell them, take provisions. And, and the, the instructions are a little bit different. So they're not for uh, time and eternity for all of us. Therefore, Jesus said, don't take any preparation, don't take any money, don't take any coats, and do this and that, and that's the way we're supposed to do it. No, wait. That's for this specific mission. I say all that to say that. Well, they were going to get their hands dirty. Uh, Mark tells us in the parallel account in Mark 6, uh, verse 7 specifically, that they went out two by two. Isn't that a great way to do it? I see it in more and more in our missions today that that's how they're doing it. They're, it's just not one missionary going out to faraway places. 
uh, but to, to send along a, perhaps a couple, a single or a couple, and another couple and maybe two or three couples with them as they go. And that's a great way to do that. Uh, that's how there are a lot of church planning going on today. Jonathan's a part of that, and Andrea down in uh, North Carolina in their church, planting a, uh, a lot of churches here in the United States, and we need to be a part of that business. We at Grace know that, as we're not too many years ago at church plant. But to have a nucleus of a number of singles or couples to go out there as a team and to do that. And so here they are going out two by two and, uh, and the instruction. Well, Jesus commissioned the 12. He was going to send them out for the assignment. He gave them everything that they needed to, uh, for, to do what he's asked them to do. In summary, Luke says he called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority over the demons to cure the diseases. He commissioned them. He gave them what they needed. First thing, he gave them authority. He gave them his authority, the Lord of glory, the authority of God, to cast out these demons, these fallen angels that had plagued the people. Um, and so, now this, this authority, power and authority are two different things, and that's all I'm trying to delineate here. The authority is the authority of God. It's the, it's the right to be able to do something. You know, you can have... Versus power, you see that number two, the power is the ability. You can have the ability to do something, but not the right to do that, you know. Think about that. You can have the ability to do something, but not the right to do that. Sometimes in the inner city, there are neighborhood gangs that just maraud all over the place, and sometimes they'll carry weapons, and they kind of run the neighborhood. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. And they have force. They have the power to be able to inflict pain, kill, whatever. But they do not have the authority to do that. Now the police are quite a bit different. They, uh, they represent the authority of government. Government equals force. When you think of what, what is government? Government is force. They have the authority with that badge and they pack a 38 or something else, they have the power to be able to, to, uh, to enforce the law. So they have the right and the power versus someone who, who uh, only has the force to be able to do that. Well, Jesus gave them the authority. It was the authority of God. The authority was as if Jesus going out. And, uh, and the power. He gave them the ability to do that. I mean, in their own stead, they're going to go out and cast out demons, and, and uh, they, they do not have the resident uh, authority or power to be able to cast out fallen angels like that, that, that uh, they could not do that on their own, you see. But they could do that as they went as the legates or the ambassadors. Now, that's a good way to think about this, because this authority is given, this commission is given, and it's given... Uh, by the Lord Jesus to the twelve for this specific mission. Um, the way to think about it is, is they were his ambassadors. Uh, sometimes when you travel overseas, particularly today in a lot of places, uh, you'll want to know through the State Department where our embassies are. Faith and always, always knew in, in Qatar, where is the United States Embassy? In fact, we, we drove by it. In fact, if you take a picture there, you're not allowed to take a picture of the embassy. Uh, they, they, they take all kinds of surveillance on that. And if you're a native there, they'll call you in and find out why were you taking pictures 
of the United States Embassy. Of course, that's for security purposes, um, that kind of thing. When we were in Israel, uh, I remember for any kind of installations, you were not able to do that or you were going to be in trouble. You could not take photographs of uh, sensitive areas. But we knew where the embassy was, and if there was a problem, that little slice of America in that foreign land, we were going to go there because the ambassador represented the president through the State Department. You see how that worked? On a different plane, it might be more like a power of attorney. You know, they say if you're going to set up your paperwork and to do that right, you, you and I, as we get older, whatnot, could have an accident or disease or aging, and we sort of lose our mind and not able to do that. And I have been a power of authority. That means uh, when I signed that legal document, uh, I was represented, a personal representative for that person as if I were them. I could handle medical issues. I could handle their finances. I could sign. I was even added to the check and uh, endorsing that uh, for them on their behalf. I could not pass that on to somebody else. It only came to me. And the same thing is true here with, uh, with, the, with now their disciples that are sent for this specific mission to represent the Lord. He gave the authority and the power to represent him, uh, to multiply the work of Jesus many times over. That's how the Lord is going to do this. He's only going to travel in only a little area of, of uh, Israel uh, throughout his life, and yet the gospel is going to go out throughout the whole world through personal representatives, uh, through the church, through the centuries, through the Spirit of God and the Word of God, as ambassadors for Christ. And that's uh, what's going to go on. They were to minister, you can see on your sheet, to, to people's bodies, that is through healing, as if it were Christ, who was authority and power, as to their souls. To herald and to heal, if you will, uh, is what they were going to do. And, and, and they did so. They were not to call attention to themselves, but to Jesus and to the gospel. Furthermore, and most importantly, they were given to preach the gospel, the kingdom of God, he says in verse 2. Proclaim the kingdom. Well, the preaching is primary. The preaching is primary. The declaring. Now, they were to herald forth. Now, in that day, it was not uncommon for a king or a government official to come to visit a village or town of his people, and he would send people who would go out ahead of time and announce the coming of the king, the president, the governor, whatever, and to help the locals get things ready. Not unlike today. when You know, when the president travels, uh, and our, our Greg was a part of that, or at least former president, he was part of the medical entourage when uh, Clinton went to uh, Africa, and Bush went to somewhere, I'm not sure where to go, Africa to? He did, yeah. Uh, you can't imagine how much stuff goes ahead of time and then how much goes along when they go. I mean, it's unbelievable. The preparation that is done in advance to make ready so when they come, uh, the president comes, the governor comes, whoever comes, things are made ready. They announce he is coming, here's the dates, 
help get things ready. That's the word that is used in heralding as we proclaim the gospel. A lot of times we think, oh, it's in church, it's a, it's a pulpit, he's, he's preaching, that's what it is. Well, yeah, it includes that, the announcing of it, preaching is announcing, but it's, you and I do the same thing when we simply talk to people one-on-one or we're in discipleship small group and we talk about the Lord Jesus and his coming and, uh, and this kind of a thing. Uh, we're announcing, we're simply telling the Lord is coming. Or we talk, we announce the wonder of the Lord, of glory, and all his glory and all his aspects and the teaching of the word, we're announcing that. That's what they were going to do. And the preaching was primary, and it's the good news of the kingdom. And I put down Luke 4.43 because the same thing was true for Jesus. I mean, preaching was primary. It wasn't the healing it wasn't the filling their bellies, as wonderful as that was. They get hungry again. And the healing, they get sick again. And if they die, they die again. So that's all here and now, but it's not unimportant. Sometimes we fall off too far on the other side. What people need is the gospel. That's right. People around us, in our neighborhood, in our family, they need to know Jesus. But sometimes uh, we, we downplay the physical concerns and, and the immediate things. Uh, that people have need of. Well, William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army, uh, gave uh, great attention to people's needs, the poor people, and feeding, and clothing, and housing, inner city, and whatnot. Salvation Army, you know that. And sometimes he would, he would take it on the chin. Well, you give too much concern for people's uh, destitute people's needs. And uh, he was quick to say, listen, if people are freezing in their cold, and their feet are freezing, They'll never hear the gospel of Jesus. And that's why we get socks and shoes and boots and care for people and fill their belly uh, with, with these things. It's, it's a both and, but the primacy, of course, is the word of God. Uh, in, in that account in Luke where I said about the Lord Jesus in chapter 4, uh, he had done all kinds of healings and wonderful things and the crowds were clamoring for him. Oh, this is great. Isn't this wonderful? A little bit of a reverse of the curse, you know, for that time. Man, we don't have to work anymore. Wouldn't that be great? No such thing as a free lunch. They were getting free lunches, right? And they found him. He got up early, went out and prayed. They, hey, everyone's looking for you. Isn't that great? And he said, I must need go. For the, this is the reason I was sent, to, to proclaim the kingdom of God. And he left to go through other villages and to to speak the gospel. And so never be confused. It's a both and. Uh, it's healing and, he, and heralding, but the heralding is always the primary. For he can fill the bellies, he can put the shoes on, but if people don't know the gospel, then they're lost forever in the lake of fire. And so we need to keep that, that straight in our thinking. Well, after hearing... Uh, being with Jesus for many, many months, the disciples are now going to go out and roll up their sleeves, and they had many things to teach, right? A, that they could instruct the people in the proper understanding of the law. They had heard Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and probably he repeated it, in essence, a number of places. You've heard that it was said, but I say unto you, you remember that, he gave the spiritual intent of the law. And uh, they, could, they could pass that on. They could call people to repentance. They had heard Jesus call people to repentance. They could plead with them to turn from their sin. They had heard Jesus do that. And uh, they would do likewise. 
Uh, and, uh, and so that they could teach people, love their enemies. Jesus had taught them that. They had seen him exhibit it. They could build their lives on the rock. Uh, they could be urged to receive God's word the way good soil receives the seed of the word, the parable of, uh, of the sower. They could uh, learn that as well, and they could pass that on and teach. And, uh, and the best way, I think, that, that uh, is given to summarize the message of, of Jesus' teaching in the gospel is the word they proclaim the kingdom of God. I don't see that somehow different uh, from okay, this is only Jewish, this is the kingdom, this is not the gospel. There's some hyper-dispensational that will separate that out. I see it as one and the same, the preaching of repentance and faith in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ in all the things that he taught. Well, the miraculous healings were given to authenticate their preaching. Did you catch that? How, did, how, did, how would people know that uh, what they were saying was really true? Well, it would be like our Lord Jesus when he said, which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven or take up your bed and walk. Remember that? You know, it's hard to see. You can't see if a man's sins are forgiven. Oh, his eyes turn a certain color. No, I no that doesn't happen, right? doesn't happen. And so, so that you might know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin, I say to you, Take up your bed and walk in, and Jesus healed him. It authenticated what he was saying. It confirmed it. And so like a neon light flashing off and on uh, to get attention, don't miss this, don't miss this, like on the, the Navy boat, right? It comes out, don't miss this, or uh, attention, attention, now hear this, now hear this. That's, that's the... That's the, uh, the point of caring for people's physical needs. When, when the Lord did these wonderful things and caring for the bodily needs of people through their sicknesses or their empty stomachs or their needs or even those that had died, it authenticated, it confirmed the message of the gospel that he was the Messiah, the promised one, the one the prophets had talked about in Isaiah 35. The, the deaf shall hear, the blind shall see, and that's how you'll know when this one will come. And that was the Lord Jesus. And he gave for this mission that ability to the twelve to go out into the countryside. And, uh, and they did just that. And so they cured the sick, they cast out demons, they cleansed the leper, they gave sight to the blind. Jesus came to save people, body and soul. Do you know that the word soul, in, uh, the word salvation in the Greek sozo means whole, means whole. And in a day, sometimes we, we, we uh, minimize the body. You know, we go like, well, God saved my soul. Oh, the souls of men, the souls of women. And that's right. The soul simply is the living essence. We are souls that occupy physical bodies, bodies that are crumbling in time, right? If you're on the early age, you're still on the way up, but you, they say you peak pretty early. I hate to tell you, I heard that it's around 21, and it starts to go down. Is that right? 22, 23, you're not 40 and still going up, right, Louie? <laughs> you're still, I don't know. When did it start going down, Louie? See? Louie's lost his mind. He doesn't even remember when. See? <laughs> I mean, it starts to happen pretty quickly. You know, we are living souls that occupy bodies. That's the right way to think of it. But God is going to save the whole person. 
Just an aside, that's one of the reasons why the church has always practiced um, the burial practice. You learn a lot by people, by how they bury people. And, uh, and Christians have, uh, although the scriptures do not prohibit uh, cremation, the church through the centuries has laid the bodies of loved ones in the grave with the recognition that the body is going to be raised and glorified and reunited the living soul with the body, just like the Lord Jesus. And uh, cremation, again, the scriptures do not prohibit it. Uh, creation comes from pretty pagan backgrounds, a disdain for the body, and free the soul, reincarnation, a lot of these strange um, uh, isms, uh, it comes out of that background. Uh, but God is going to, look, you're going to look better than you do now. You will. And some of you, that's very good news. I know that. <laughs> God's going to save the whole thing. He, God is concerned about uh, our bodies. He, he, he really is. Yeah, the tenderness of the Lord. I love that in the gospel where the Lord reaches out and he touches someone who's sick. He touches the leper. I did the, the text didn't have to say that. That's the compassion, the tender of the Lord, tenderness. Lazarus dies, and here's Jesus, in the back. he's weeping. He knows he's going to raise him in a, in a few moments. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmity as our high priest. He cares about what we suffer with. And, and, and in the reward, you remember that, in, in, in the judgment, if you give a cup of water to one in need, you've done it unto me. Jesus has said. And you're like, when did I do that? What that means is that's the bare minimum of giving comfort to some. If you've done the bare minimum, I mean, a cup of water, what's that, right? And then we could do so much more beyond that in being the hands and, and the love of Christ to a people in our community here. You know, if we've done, we've done Jesus notices that, and, there, and we do it with the right motive, there's a reward for that. Or we are his ambassadors. We are his gospel, if you will, and, uh, and so on. Well, the gospel of the kingdom is still spreading today. Jesus' uh, ministry is extended by us, the church, as ordinary men, women, and children uh, tell the good news of Jesus, that is, of the cross and the empty tomb, and the forgiveness that we sinners can enjoy, forgiven as far as the east is from the west, all of our sins, and receive the free gift of eternal life based on the authority of Jesus. You know, like your sins are forgiven based on the authority. If you trust in the Lord, your sins are forgiven. I've told people that. Based upon your profession of faith, based upon your your love for the Lord Jesus and the authority of the Word of God, God says your sins are forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? Not, I don't have any resident authority to do it. Pastor said it must be so. You better be careful. <laughs> Based on the authority of Jesus and His Word. Isn't that great? I love it. Wow. Well, today we're also called to heal. We are. In other words, what do we mean? It means to lovingly minister to people and to their needs. Well, how do we do this? Let me give you a couple practical ways in which we can, can be a part of, of healing of people in our neighborhoods, our families, places where we work. What? How do we do it? We, we can do it by caring for sick people. You know, that's a, that's a tender-hearted thing. That's, uh, you're, you're bearing a great resemblance to Jesus when you and I do that. 
and not avoid them. A lot of people avoid. Oh, I don't want the germs. Oh, they don't want me. Just breathe. Don't overstay. When people are sick, a note, a call, of just a brief visit, a meal. Meals are great, aren't they? I've been, I've been down and under. Someone make a meal, you know. You know, and, and, and Faithy's been down, and, you, and you've made meals, and we've made meals, and, and, and make something. You know, it shouts, I love you, I care. For neighbors, even those outside of the faith, it makes a tremendous impact. Nobody else does that. They're all thinking about themselves. Feeding the hungry. How about clothing the naked? Those that don't have much. Visiting prisoners. Welcoming strangers. Some other areas. Showing hospitality to homeless people. Caring for orphans. I mean, that's pure religion, undefiled. The orphans and the widows. Having heart for that. I mean, James said that's pure religion. That's, that's pure sacredness. You know, it's, it's part of healing. It's part of being Jesus to people. We do these things because Jesus did them. We do them because God cares for our bodies as much as he cares for our souls. We do these things because meeting people's needs helps confirm the truth of the message. You know, faith and I have been working, have folks in that are outside the faith, even for, uh, for special time, holidays, holidays. You've, we've met a friend of ours, we've met a friend who had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. Come in, you got to come in, come in. in. And it's, it causes all kinds of questions, just loving on them, you know. Why would you do such a thing? Because of Jesus. Well, why? It's so, you know, this is, you, you create a, a platform to be able to, they, they want to know. It's the love of Christ in you. I, I want to be a part of church that we're doing that over and over and over and over all throughout the Harrisburg area. What, who are these people? They march by a completely different drum. It's the drum of Jesus. They care for people. And, and one man writes, and I agree with Riken on this, often people are not ready to receive Christ today until they see a love that's demonstrated in a very tangible way. Uh, I mean, people are skeptical, Right? We live in a commercial day. Everyone's selling something, right? And you start hawking Jesus, right? And you're like, what are you selling, bud? What are you up to? And people are like this, right? We're just inundated with it. But you just go out and be Jesus to people and love them. And I'll tell you, it will cause, and you pray for them, and it'll all cause them to say, what makes you tick? They may not use those exact words. But they're going to want to know. And what an open door. Don't, isn't that different than like you? Like, here it comes. i got to dump it on you. Now, there's a place for, for simply giving a track and this and that. But the people we live among and circulate among here and want to be a blessing to, it opens doors, and God will use you to reach people. We see it here in the, at the disciples. Exactly. It's wonderful, really. Well, Jesus gave the 12, indeed, the 12... Sp- Special instructions for the internship, verses 3 to 5. Travel light. Sounds like my dad's words when I was younger. Don't take anything with you for this mission. There, he tells him. It's going to be with great urgency. They're going to go throughout the whole area on this short trip, but quickly. It's going to be like the, some of you study World War II and you know of uh, the Blitzkrieg, the way that uh, Hitler moved through uh, Eastern Europe particularly with lightning speed. 
and they were being sent out two by two and just cover the area. And when you go into a town uh, and, and, you, and you care for people and you proclaim the gospel and they invite you in, they, they welcome you and receive you, stay there. Don't go house to house looking for something else. Just stay there. Uh, learned, uh, they needed to, to learn to trust God to provide for their needs. I mean, they were going to go out after the Lord would soon go to heaven. They were going to turn the whole world upside down, and they needed to discover that God would meet their needs. And they needed to learn this here, that he would provide housing, he would provide food for them. Just go and do this, and then come back, and they report it. They would learn that God would provide room and board, and that they were utterly and totally dependent on him. I remember that myself, learning that growing up, that uh, my dependency would be on the Lord. And God taught me that in so many ways. And it's bedrock to me now that the Lord provides everything. In fact, everything I have is his. You know, I came naked, I'll leave naked. And you'll do the same thing if the Lord doesn't come. And uh, he loans us food and clothing and shelter and cars and all the niceties and all the things that he lends us to you. Enjoy, he says, enjoy. Don't hold it tight. It's not yours. It's uh, yours to use. Use it to be a blessing. Uh, you know, you're totally and utterly dependent on me. You stand on this hunk of rock that, that's suspended by nothing. Think about that, right? We're blasting through outer space. I hold it all together. It's all mine. Total and utter dependency. Have you learned that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Lord says, all the things of life, the necessities. And I've discovered the Lord is so just, so much more. They needed to learn this in this part of being in Jesus' school that the Lord provided. The Lord will provide. And the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. He provides. So uh, they would learn that. And so don't take anything with you. Later, uh, as I said in Luke 22, it would be a different mission. They would go to Gentiles, and they needed to take provision, even a sword. They said, take a sword with you. Kind of interesting there uh, to try and understand that rightly uh, as, as well. Well, and as uh, they are also to stay in the homes where those who gladly receive their preaching, they were to be content with God's provision. But those who didn't, and notice there's a choice, and the decision always has to be made. And those who didn't receive him and didn't welcome him, shake the dust off the feet. That's strange. In our Western culture, we don't do that. You know, what does that mean? It's a, it's a form of public rebuke. It's a statement of judgment. You know, they rejected Christ and the gospel, and God would one day reject them. It was said when the rabbis went to a foreign land, and when they came back into the land of Israel, they would shake the dust off their sandals. I mean, there's sand and dust all over over there. They'd shake it off because they didn't want to bring the contaminant back into the land of Israel. And so it was, a, it was a way of saying to the unbeliever, you're no better even though you're, you claim you're Jewish, you're an is Israelite, you're, you're no better than a pagan Gentile. You're lost and under judgment. That's what that, uh, that whole bit meant. It's, we have to bring it in the culture here and explain it. It was a public rebuke. Wow. And don't waste your time. If they don't receive it, don't waste your time. It's a little hard for us when we think about this. 
Because uh, the Lord taught another way, don't cast your pearls before swine. You know, as you and I share the gospel with people, and our hearts are long, and we yearn for them to come to the Savior, and they may in time. But if they uh, are harsh or they, they treat you uh, severely, then leave. Don't continue. Don't keep pressing. Don't keep the pedal to the metal. That's uh, casting your pearls, the glory of the gospel that came before them. Just leave them be. Uh, find somewhere else, someone else. And, and maybe God will open their hearts up. And it was the same thing. Don't continually knock on the door if they won't receive you. Leave that town. Leave that house. Uh, They've they, they made, it, at least at this point, the wrong decision. Wow. Well, they went everywhere. They did what Jesus asked them to do in verse 6, uh, and so on. Well, Roman numeral 2 is this second observation. The ministry of the 12 interns caused a great stir. The whole countryside, you can imagine, as the Lord has now uh, multiplied his work through the six teams of two that went out to 12, as they went all over in the Blitzkrieg, and uh, people were being healed, the kingdom was being preached, and the excitement of the crowds in these villages and towns and cities. And uh, it caused, in verses 6 to 9, many people to, uh, to uh, ask the, the right question. It's the right question. Who is this one? Who is Jesus? I wish more people would ask me that. You know? Ask me. Who is Jesus? They were asking. And it, it wasn't just in the, in the little boroughs and towns. It was all the way up to the palace here. Here's Herod in Tiapis. This guy's a piece of work. He's a son of Herod, Herod the Great, the Herod that tried to kill Jesus when he was a a baby there in Bethlehem, remember that? With the Magi and all. This is his son. This guy is a chip off the old. He is rotten to the core. Killed a lot of his family members. He was jealous that they wanted his, his, uh, his position. And, uh, <clears throat> and now, uh, even in the palace, he's hearing the whole countryside in turmoil with excitement about the ministry of the Twelve, Jesus through them, and uh, even he is asking, who is this one? Who is he? That's what, the, that's what uh, the text tells us. And Luke inserts this here as an example for us to see, even at the highest levels, the stir that was being created in this public ministry of Jesus prior to his heading from Galilee to Jerusalem. It's an example. Herod Antiochus. Uh, he had heard many. He had heard the message. It was reported to him. He was confused as to who Jesus was. He was afraid, thinking John had come back to haunt him. Remember, uh, some of you know better than others. He had beheaded John the Baptist, and he thought John's come back. You know, unbelievers uh, have all kinds of strange thinking. You know, here he's thinking, okay. He's haunted. He's, it can't be John. And he's, it was his guilt. It was his conscience. He knew that John was a godly, righteous man. Um, but he had said some stupid things about his dancing uh, wife's uh, daughter. And uh, he, didn't want, he wanted to save face before them. Up to half my kingdom. I'll take John's head on a platter. Uh-oh. Why'd she say that? Okay. And he follows through with it. He said, John's come back to get me. 
what I did was wrong. It was a bad conscience that he had. And, uh, and all kinds of opinions <clears throat> from people as to who, <clears throat> who, is who is Jesus. That's the same today. People ask you, who is Jesus? You know, all kinds of opinions. You know, he's just a man. He's just Jesus Christ superstar, right? Mary Magdalene and that terrible, terrible blasphemous Jesus Christ superstar. He's just a man. Well, a lot of people would say that. Some say, oh, he's a good man, but uh, he got caught up in some sort of revolution and it killed him. And some have some really strange ideas. Who is he? Some have the right idea. He's the son of God. He's God verily. He's the savior of the world. He's man's only hope. He's the Lord Jesus. Well, that's where Herod, uh, came, uh, Herod Antipas was, uh, was, uh, was considering and thinking about and, uh, but he never did get it right. Never did get it right. He never came to faith, as far as we know from the text. In fact, he sent his soldiers, he allowed his soldiers to abuse uh, Jesus after he was arrested. Finally, he would meet him during those trials. Uh, but he never made the right decision in his hour. And uh, I believe he died lost. Uh, it shows us, doesn't it, how absolutely crucial it is to make a decision for Christ and not to sort of stay in the in-between ground. Yeah, I wonder who he is. Maybe I'll think about it. Maybe a manana, this kind of thing. And never came for him, as far as we can tell. He needed to make a decision for Christ. Maybe that's where you are. You've heard a lot about Jesus. You've read some of the Bible, but you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never done that. Whether young or old, it doesn't matter. You must. Don't waver between the opinions. Settle that issue today. It's the most important issue of life. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Your word is true. I deserve hell. You died to save me. I couldn't save myself. If I could save myself, there's no reason why you ever had to come and die. You died as my sin substitute. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You need to do that. You must, don't let they, if I can help you, I'm here to help you do that. We must repent and receive him as our Savior. Well, lessons for our life and we'll be done. Number one, lesson number one, perhaps you too are curious about who Jesus is. Don't stop there, I just said that. Don't stop there. Make a decision for Jesus today. You need to repent. Repent means change your mind and your sin. Change your mind, change your thinking. Instead of running towards sin, we turn from that, we run to the Lord. Repent and receive Christ and believe. Number two, get involved in doing ministry. Healing and heralding. Healing. All of us can do something. All of us, even the smallest, can carry a cup of water as a symbolic gesture of helping somebody who's thirsty or in need. All of us can do that. The lend a hand, the helping hand. You know that Simon and Garfunkel song, he, uh, Bridge Over Trouble Water, He's Not Heavy? I was told that was uh, initially put forth as a Christian song. I didn't know that. Maybe some of you know more about the history of that song than others. Roger, you might know it. No? Not that one? Yeah. Uh, I, he's Not Heavy, He's My Brother. Yeah, I love that song in high school. I remember when that came out. I thought, how beautiful that, that was. And, and when I heard, well, that was really written as a Christian to express Christian truth, to, to help carry the load. 
Lord, forgive me for being so utterly selfish. I think about getting and my own peace and cues and my own little world. Oh, Lord, I hate that. May it be Jesus' other and then yours. That's joy. Help me to live that way. I pray that way increasingly in my life. I do. I just, the way to live is to give. Live to give. Give. Be a blessing to the body, to others. Give yourself away. Oh, man. That's, 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 that's truly, you want to be happy? I'm telling you, give, your, give away. Blessed are those who give, right? The Lord said that. Number three. We as Christians are called to both heal and herald for Jesus, herald to proclaim the care for the needs of people. Number four, he just said that. Have you, like the 12, learned that God always supplies your needs? Don't take anything for the mission. I'll take care of you. Be content. You know, stay where they, they welcome and receive you. Trust, learn to trust. They needed in the school on this occasion for the sin. They needed to learn that God was going to provide their needs. They were going to go to the far-flung portions of the world and all but one of them give their life as martyrs. God would meet their need. Have you learned that? Trust him for it. Number five and last. Most importantly, people need to hear about Jesus. They do. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. We need to, we need to tell folks. And, and we we really plow the soil and open up when we love and care for people. And then they ask us, what makes you tick? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. You see how that is? Isn't that great? That's really what it's all about. Well, we're in the summer here soon, aren't we? School's out for summer, right? Yay! I still get excited when the kids get out for school. I don't know why. I'm like, yeah, the kids are out of school. We have a couple schools right near our home. I don't know, it's like I'm finally out of school again. I don't know, it's just in your, in your system so many years, in those early years. The reality is, uh, in the school of Jesus, all of us are in school 24-7, 12 months a year. I, I'm sorry to tell you that. No, I'm not. I'm glad to tell you that. And uh, there's a work to be done, and there's people that need to be cared for, and that's the mission, to be Christ. Let's stand to be dismissed.